Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, after the amazing introduction, it seemed like Ryan gave me. I'm not that great, but <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm just here to talk a little bit tonight about gentle and lowly. I know Ryan already mentioned it, and he took five minutes out of what I was going to say, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, for those of you that uh, you know want to listen later, uh, this is being recorded. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how this big old red beard is going to affect that. And also this country voice, so I'm really sorry if uh, you go back later and like, oh my goodness, this guy, whew, just can't deal with him. But, but tonight, in all seriousness, I picked this topic because I love this book so much. And uh, I know Ryan kind of mentioned it earlier. How many of you guys have read it? Okay, so a few of you guys. Um, how many of you guys have the book that Ryan gave you and it's still sitting on your dresser or something? <laughs> okay. Uh, I raised my hand because I still have one on my dresser, too. So, um, And then, you know, as Ryan said, you know, if you do have a copy, please give it to someone else uh, if you got one tonight. I gave it to two of my coworkers, and one of them has already read it, and I have to get on to the other one that hasn't read it. Um, and she just told me how amazing of a book it is. Um, so we're just going over the book tonight. It's by Dane Ortland. And uh, kind of what I'm going to do tonight is just I'm going to divide up my lesson into three parts. I'm just going to go over like what I think the theme of the book is, kind of give it a little introduction. And then I'm going to divide it up into three chapters that are my favorite chapters out of the book. I'm going to take some out of each chapter and just, just read and let the book do the talking. But I don't want to read too much because I want you to read it for yourselves. <laughs> and then, last but not least, I'm going to go over how the book has impacted me to this point. Uh, it's definitely been a game changer, just like, as Ryan has said, uh, for him. So, uh, just like I mentioned, it's written by Dane Ortland. Uh, he also wrote a book called Deeper. I can't remember if the book came out after Gentle and Lowly. I want to say it did, um, which I have not read it. It's sitting below Gentle and Lowly my other copy on my dresser, so I'm going to get to it uh, sooner than later, hopefully. Uh, and he's also the brother of Eric Ortland, which Ryan has promoted in our Sunday school class that he's uh, written a commentary on Job. And uh, if anyone has been with us through the book of Job, we have not suffered through it. It has been awesome. So I want to promote the Sunday school class. Please be there. We won't be there this Sunday because of Easter but you can still be there and get some free breakfast and then, and then worship to your heart's content. But then we'll be there the following Sunday. So if you like me, then you can hear me again that Sunday because I'll be teaching. So, <laughs> so um, But anyway, yeah, Eric Ortland has written that book, uh, a little commentary. I have not read that one either, but I have read some of the other one that Ryan has given me. Um, so these guys seem like they know what they're doing. <clears throat> also, the book came out, just a little bit about it, it came out in 2020, like, I, I believe it was April 2020, right when the pandemic started. So it's like, a coincidence? I really think not, because the pandemic happened, you know, COVID, and then all of a sudden, this book comes out, and it's when we needed it the most, I believe. So it came out right then. Uh, it's not a long book. It's just a little over 200 pages. So if I can read it, then you guys can certainly read it. I'm horrible at reading, uh, but it's just a great book. It doesn't take too long. And I'm just going to go over kind of how I read the book. So I did kind of a devotional style. He starts out in, with an introduction, and, you know, he says, you know, this is, for, this is the book for sufferers. This is the book for 
anyone who's frustrated or has questions. It's basically written for everybody. And uh, so I read the introduction, and then there was 23 chapters, and then there was the epilogue. So if you divide it up and do one a day, kind of like I did, then it'll take about 25 days, or even if you want to do like a 30-day one. I would suggest not to rush it. I was talking to Paul earlier, and he said it's a book that you really don't want to just read all the way through. You want to give it time and, you know, think about it. Like, I would read each night before I went to bed. I'd sit down and uh, read about 15 minutes, and it'd take me about that long to get through a chapter. I'd highlight and underline and make notes and all that good stuff, and, and then I would just think about it, and then I would get into usually my Bible study, um, and then I'd pray. Uh, so that's kind of how I did that, which you guys, you can do what you want, obviously. You're adults now. I know it doesn't feel like it, but we are. <laughs> also, um, like I said, it's an easy read. It is a book that put me at peace more than anything. It's, you know, the book's called Gentle and Lowly, and it felt like it was just gentle the whole way through. It's like you can hear that background keyboard music where it's just like you're just going through the field, and you're like, oh, you know, this is a, a very pleasant situation I'm in. I love this place. That's how I felt when I was reading the book. It was so weird, even though I was in a chair, but it felt like I was walking through the fields. <laughs> um, also, if you look at the cover of it, it says, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. So, sinners and sufferers, hmm, that sounds like it's written for everybody, right? Sinners and sufferers. I know I'm a sinner. And then sufferers, you guys are college students, so, I mean, you know what that's like. <laughs> so, and then... Uh, so, yeah, and he goes through, it's seriously like a page or two about who this book is written for. And it's just anyone that, if you feel like you've disappointed God, you know, anything like that, this just gives you a bigger picture of how great his grace is because we don't really know. Like, we don't understand how great his grace is. I know we read about it, but it's, we still don't understand it completely. So this gives you... Kind of a bigger picture of that, but we will never fully grasp it. I just think that's pretty interesting. <clears throat> and also, the way he writes the book is the way I feel like all books should be written. So he takes a text of the Bible for each chapter, and he'll use that for the chapter he's writing. So, and he, he just uses the text, and then he will take that text and just ring it out, kind of like we do in Sunday school. So we do that, he does that, and uh, he just, he goes over this verse, or a passage that I'm going to go over as well, and he just does the whole book based on that passage, and he does a fantastic job, it's just great, um, and it's important the way he writes is he's not entering his theology into the text, but he takes the text and he gets his theology out of it, which is how we should read the Bible. We don't want to be like, okay, this is what I'm looking for, and then you're going to read it, and you're just going to look for just what you're looking for. You want the Bible to speak for itself. So I want you guys to be able to keep that in mind as well. <clears throat> the premise of the book, you know, Ryan already explained it, uh, is to dive deeper into knowing the heart of Christ uh, you know, we've read, we've, uh, read all the Gospels. Uh, I believe most of us go to church pretty often. 
Uh, we know a lot about Jesus' doctrine and his teachings, but we don't really know a lot about his heart. There's not a lot of information on it. It's, you know, he does it through his actions, but it's like, how does he actually feel about you? So this book just gives you a bigger glimpse of doing that. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to introduce the book. Uh, I'm going to read some from the book so you can follow along if you want to. If I'm gonna, uh, there's some passages I'm going to read that are on specific pages, and I'll, I'll let you know what page it is um, if you guys want to follow along. Uh, also, I'll be reading some in the Bible as well that he uses. So if you guys want to follow along in the Bible, however, we would be doing some page hopping, so just be aware. Just stretches like Ryan likes to say. All right. So he bases his book off, in chapter 1 of his book, he bases it off Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And it reads this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So does anyone know like what the function of the heart is in us? It's what makes us who we are. The heart is the center of who we are, so keep that in mind. So when Jesus says his heart is gentle and lowly, that is the center core of who Jesus is. Jesus couldn't be the opposite of gentle and lowly even if he wanted to because it's already ingrained in him. It is who he is. He is gentle and lowly. So I want to break it down a little further, this passage that uh, Dane Ortland has uh, written or that he's talking about. And he does this as well in chapter 1, so just keep that in mind. He says this word gentle is a Greek word that's, that's found three times in the New Testament. And it means on the three occasions, one of them's meek, one of them's humble, and one of them's gentle. So if you take all three of those, then what do we get? We see that Jesus is gentle, yes. But that means Jesus is understanding. Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. If there's something that you can't bring to any person in the whole world but one, then it would be Jesus. Jesus' understanding far transcends our own understanding just as we've talked about through Job. And I keep going back to Job because that's what we've been talking about recently. And for those of you that have been with us, you understand too. Jesus is talking to Job when Job doesn't know why he's suffering. And Jesus or God says, Job, I understand the universe a lot better than you do. So his understanding, if he's the most understanding person, our understanding isn't even close to that. He knows the big picture, even if you're going through suffering. And also, if Jesus is understanding, when you sin, he's not trigger happy. He's not out here like, got you. I was waiting on you to mess up. I got you now. He's not like that. He's not waiting around the corner ready to pop you. He's not Batman lurking in the shadows, ready to fight crime. Say, oh, you messed up now. There was a time where I was an intern. I'm, I'm in a law enforcement career, by the way, for those of you that don't know. 
uh, many years ago, back when I was college, when I was y'all's age, seemed like a lifetime ago, <laughs> I was an intern with the U.S. Marshals. It was the coolest internship ever. Oh, man, it was so awesome. And one of the main things they had me do was I was what they called a role player. And so we had this house. We called it the shoot house, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But uh, me and the other intern would play the bad guy. So they would come in, and they would, their goal was to arrest us, and they would tell us to, to hide and just to you know, watch out for what they're doing. And uh, they would give us these sim rounds, like if any of y'all have played paintball, it's just like that. They put it in, the, in their Glocks, and uh, so they come around, and they'll shoot you, and it's just paintball rounds, and, uh, which we were geared up, so it was okay. <laughs> but uh, So we would do that. We would be the bad guys, and they would come in and look for us, and a lot of times they would have us hiding somewhere, and they'd have specific movements that they'd have to do to be able to see the whole room. If they messed up, it was our goal was to shoot them, to let them know that they messed up. That's not what Jesus is doing here. So it's just kind of interesting how uh, that plays into that. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but also, so we see here that Jesus, Jesus is gentle. That's part one. Part two is Jesus is lowly. So what does that mean? What does it mean that he's lowly? Does that mean that, uh, you know, he likes to sit in a, a chair that's extremely low or something like that? Romans twelve sixteen is what Dane Ortland uses, where Paul says not to be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Haughty means that you think you're superior to other people. So he says associate with the lowly. The lowly here are considered the outcast. They're the ones that aren't the popular people. They're not sitting with the cool kids. They're not the life of the party. They're the ones that when you go into the party, you'd be like, what in the world are they doing here? So this means that Jesus is accessible. That's what it means by lowly. Just how Jesus is the most understanding person in the world, he is also the most accessible there are no prerequisites to come to Jesus. He wants you just as you are. All you need to do is come to him. No payment is required. You do not have to wait until you're well put together to come to him either. He does not want you to wait. He wants you to come right now. And that's his very heart. He's gentle. He's understanding. He's lowly. He's accessible. So I want each of you to think about that. We kind of have an understanding about Jesus' heart now. So I want to ask some questions that I want you to think about, which you don't have to answer them, but I just want you to think about them. Now that we know that Jesus' heart is gentle and lowly, we know what that means, then why would we not come to Jesus? What is there to fear about coming to Jesus now? And then lastly, when we finally come to Jesus, why does it take us so long to? That's kind of an introduction of the book. And uh, now I'm going to go over uh, my three favorite sections of the book, three of my favorite chapters. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to follow along with me. I'll try my best to uh, compensate for that. Um, so I'm going to start with chapter four. 
chapter four is one of my favorite chapters. Um, if you look at the table of contents, you'll be able to find it there. <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> chapter four is called Able to Sympathize. And it's actually what he uses here is based on Thomas Goodwin's book called The Heart of Christ. And he does this whole chapter based on this Bible verse. Hebrews 4, 15. I'm going to read it for us now. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in very respect, every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. To me, this chapter was very helpful for me when I was going through suffering. And it could also be helpful for anyone else that's going through suffering. Because Jesus suffered like we did. But the most important thing was he did not sin. Jesus suffered as we did, but he did not sin. He was perfect. We as people say we can sympathize with people. But it's hard to know what others are going through. It's hard to explain to people what you're going through. But Jesus is the one who gets it because he is on the journey with you. That's what this verse is about. Jesus has been on the same journey with you and he has been tempted as you have. But Jesus did not sin. Not only did Jesus not only has Jesus been what we're going through, he's been through it all, and he did not sin, but he's also with us on our journey now. And he will never leave. He never leaves us. I'm going to read a passage in the book on page 47. You guys may be able to follow along if I, once I start to read it. <clears throat> it's kind of like, it's the first where the new paragraph starts, page 47. And this is kind of the main point of the chapter for me. The real scandal of Hebrews 4.15, though, is what we are told about why Jesus is so close and with his people in their pain. He has been tempted or tested, as the word we can also denote, as we are. Not only that, but in every respect as we are. The reason that Jesus is in such close solidarity with us is that the difficult path we are on is not unique to us. He has journeyed on it himself. It is not only Jesus that can relieve us from our troubles, like a doctor prescribing medicine. It is also that before any relief comes, he is with us in our troubles, like a doctor who has endured the same disease. So not only is he the doctor helping you, he's the doctor who has been with it, and he is going uh, with you through this journey as well. So that's kind of just a big picture of chapter 4. Uh, the next chapter is actually the very next one. Chapter 5, that's arguably one of my three favorite chapters, which all the chapters are extremely good. These just really stood out to me. <clears throat> and the chapter's called, He Can Deal Gently. So the basis of this chapter is how Jesus deals with sin. And Mr. Orland states that Jesus deals with sinners gently. And his argument is based on Hebrews 5.2. I'm going to read Hebrews 5.2 for us. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, 
since he himself is beset with weakness. And I don't want you to get too caught up in the weakness part. I'm going to explain it here, and it's actually in the book on page 52. I'm going to read from the book here at the very top left-hand corner. But if our priest himself knew what our weakness felt like, so that he was in deepest sympathy with us, yet had never himself sinned, and so his heart had never turned in on himself in self-pity or self-absorption, that would be a priest truly able to deal gently with us. So he has, he takes this weakness so that he can sympathize with us. And who better to know how to sympathize with us than a great priest who knows this weakness? He knows how to deal with our sins because of this, and then he deals gently with it. And then also, uh, I'm sure you guys caught this, but ignorant and wayward refers to sinners. And he deals with them gently as well, just like he deals with the sin gently. I'm going to read another passage here on 54. This is where a new paragraph starts, so just kind of bear with me here. But it's so good. In other words, when Hebrews 5.2 says that Jesus can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward... The point is that Jesus deals gently and only gently with all sinners who come to him, irrespective of their particular offense and just how heinous it is. What elicits tenderness from Jesus is not the severity of the sin, but whether the sinner comes to him. Whatever our offense, he deals gently with us. If we never come to him, we will experience a judgment so fierce it will be like a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth at us. If we do come to him, as fierce as his lion-like judgment would have been against us, so deep will his lamb-like tenderness be for us. We will be enveloped in one or the other. To no one, Jesus will be neutral. Consider what all this means. When we sin, we are encouraged to bring our mess to Jesus because he will know just how to receive us. He doesn't handle us roughly. He doesn't scowl or scold. He doesn't lash out the way many of our parents did, right? And all this restraint on his part is not because he has a deluded view of our sinfulness. He knows our sinfulness far more deeply than we do. So what's the most important thing you get out of that? The most important thing you can do is to bring your sins to Jesus. He doesn't care about as much about what you did. He cares about you coming to him. He wants you to come to him. He doesn't want to wait till you're put together to come to him. He wants you to come to him now. Last for this chapter. I'm going to read the end of the chapter on page 57. As long as you fix your attention on your sin you will fail to see how you can be safe. But as long as you look to this high priest, you will fail to see how you can be in danger. Looking inside ourselves, we can anticipate only harshness from heaven. Looking out to Christ, we can anticipate only gentleness. I think that just concludes the chapter so nicely. I heard it the other day on audiobook, which uh, if any of you guys like to listen to on audiobook, he actually... He actually reads the book on the audiobook. So, uh, and he just knows 
when to say what, and he, he just says it so perfectly. I was listening to it past couple days. I wasn't going to, but Ryan mentioned it, and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to give it a listen. It's so good. So just in case if you guys are in the car, you know, you can listen to it then. The last chapter I'm going to briefly go over is chapter 21, and it's called He Loved Us Then, He'll Love Us Now. And it's kind of a short chapter, but it's about when Jesus died for us. And I just opened it up randomly the other day when I told Ryan I wanted to teach on Gentle and Lowly. I just opened up that chapter, and I read it, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so good. <laughs> this, so it's about when he died for us. He died for us when we were sinners. That means he died for us when we were at our worst. He loved us at our worst. Why wouldn't he love us now if he loved us then? And the passage he bases this on, this chapter, is Romans 5, 6 through 11. I'm going to read it first now. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, through perhaps, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So the chapter is describing that Jesus died for us when we needed a Savior most, and God did that out of love. God doesn't just love, He is love. God's love is boundless, just as Himself. The only thing that's more boundless than God's love is God. Christ died for us while we were a sinner. He didn't wait for us to meet Him halfway, such as, you know, the prodigal son. He went out there and ran to Him. God's past work secured our present. If God died for us then, then we have nothing to worry about now. If God did not forsake you at your highest, then he will not forsake you at your lowest. I'm going to read one more time, page 194. <clears throat> at the bottom of the page, If you are in Christ, and only a soul in Christ would be trouble at offending him, your waywardness does not threaten your place in the love of God any more than history itself can be done. undone. The hardest part has been accomplished. God has already executed everything needed to secure your eternal happiness. He did that while you were an orphan. Nothing can unchild you now, not even you. Those in Christ are eternally imprisoned within the tender heart of God, we will be less sinful in the next life than we are now. But we will not be any more secure in the next life than we are now. If you are united to Christ, you are as good as in heaven already. To me, those three chapters really stand out, but the whole book is like that. And it's just, it's such a good book because it seems like sometimes each chapter is kind of similar to each other but that's the point he wants to embed this in you 
that you know how much Jesus loves you. Yes, we sing it when we're kids. Yes, Jesus loves me. But this book is a helpful reminder just how much. This probably the best book out of all the books Ryan has given me. It's probably my favorite one. And it's the only book I've ever read through twice, which I haven't read it through all the time yet, but I've read through most of it twice. I've read it through once completely. And it's also I want you guys to think about how important it is to read. I hate reading. I really do. <laughs> but ever since I've been going to church back here from college, I've really enjoyed the books Ryan has given me. And it's just it's similar to working out, you know, doing anything like that. The hardest part is just doing it. Once you do it, it's not that bad. And then also, it's just, like I said earlier, it's a great book to give you peace for your heart. And I myself, the impact it's had on me is I was just like everyone else that this book is written for. I still am. I still feel like, why, God, why did I do that again? Why did I do that? I know better than that. And then I feel like Jesus is disappointed in me. God's disappointed. He doesn't want to hear from me. Just like the other day, I was uh, shooting for my job to be able to keep my job. And I haven't prayed in like a day or two. I, I was struggling. Uh, that's the hardest thing for me is just spending time with God. It's been really hard recently. But as I was praying, I was thinking, God doesn't want to hear from me. And then I thought about the book Gentle and Lowly. and said, God is running to me. I can't wait to pray with him. With that being said, let's pray.